0: When you see his name get announced, you're just like, wow. I shared the same clubhouse with him, sat next to him in the dugout. So you start thinking about little things like that.
1: I've had even friends of mine that played during that era that would tell me I didn't make the money that I made because I didn't juice.
2: Welcome to another episode of Digging In with J.P. and Phoebe. I'm your host, as always, Nick Ashbourne. And today we're joined by friend of the show, Ricky Romero, to discuss... Roy Halladay's induction into the Hall of Fame And the beautiful speech made by his wife Brandy Halladay on Sunday An emotional moment I think for people who have been involved With the Blue Jays organization top to bottom Whether you played Or that's a team that you followed growing up Or you're involved in the team In any other sort of way he was uh, Roy Halladay was an icon for the Blue Jays And it, it took something out of you To watch that speech But you know Brandy Halladay did an amazing job
1: Yeah, no doubt. And I want to kind of get into for me is one of the things is him and Doc as teammates and and looking at Doc and realizing like, hey, is this is this am I with a future Hall of Famer? Because it's something that I feel like I did when I was with the Texas Rangers. I feel like every time that uh, Adrian Beltre was in the locker room, I felt like, man, my teammates a Hall of Famer, a future Hall of Famer, and I'm playing with him even times where I was hitting behind him. So that's something that I used to take into consideration. So I wonder if that's something that he did um, while playing with him or playing against any other guys or however it may be because he got to face, you know, a certain amount of guys. But obviously same thing with, with Mo. I think it's just a special time uh, to be able to be a baseball fan. And I th- and I thought, like you said, I think they did a really good job this year. And I think Brandy did a good job. And that that's got to be super tough. Uh, to be able to even stand up there, but well, it was pretty touching to see. Even before she spoke, to standing ovation. I think that was something for me that really kind of got to me. Is like people know the gravity of it, right? And what this guy meant to the game, and what he meant to his teammates, and and uh you know, he's like a larger than life figure that you you really never expect that can really actually die you know as weird as it sounds i feel like those are the kind of guys you look at and you're like man this guy's a cartoon figure like he's not a real person he's just a a machine and then you realize like hey we're all kind of the same Uh, we're all humans
2: yeah I, i thought brandy's speech was really good i think chris carpenter also deserves a little bit of credit for the work I mean, he had that pre-video before she came on, and she commented on it how she's gonna have to watch it again because it made her so emotional that she didn't really see it. But I thought that you know, not a lot of teammates got super close to Roy. That's something we know about him; he's a very private guy. But it's also no secret that Chris Carpenter, him, were really tight. So it was cool to hear from someone who you just know has you know has the ability to speak to who Roy was as a man because not everyone can do that.
1: Yeah, and I think, and I think. Um, Chris Carpenter, you know, you hear stories that Chris Carpenter became Chris Carpenter because of Doc, and and how he was with the you know St. Louis Cardinals. He used to talk to guys, and guys used to say, you know, oh this guy Chris Carpenter, man, he's machine. He does this, he does that. And I used to be, I used to think, man, Roy Holiday does the same exact thing. He doesn't, you know, this guy goes into the gym and he's already sweating. Milk. While everybody gets in, he's already done. and He's drenched uh, with with sweat and just the professionalism and how hard how hard they worked and but again it's just a special thing i think to be able to have that career and then you know be put into the hall of fame and everybody kind of recognize it and and uh, it's it's sad it's a sad situation but it's become something that is you know it's the whole saying what's the saying on the sandlot like heroes last forever but legends never die or is that my my misquoting. No, I don't.
2: It? I can't help you, but uh, no, I know where you're getting at. It's and that,
1: and that's what and then I mean I think that's what what it is. You know, it's it's that's Roy Holiday.
2: So before we get to Ricky, I thought that with us talking about the Hall of Fame, it might be an interesting time to touch on you know the class that's coming up, which is a bit of a you know as a thin class of newcomers. So it's going to be interesting to see if people. Go back and change your votes to some of these guys that have been on the ballot for a while and push some of these guys through. There is a scenario where the only guy who goes through is Derek Jeter, who's new on the ballot. And I think we both agree that, you know, I grew up disliking Derek Jeter just because I grew up (laughs) as a uh, fan. (laughs) Yeah, I grew up not liking the Yankees. But, you know, you can't take away what he accomplished on the field. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt. So I thought I would go through with you. Baseball Reference very handily has a 2020 ballot and uh, get the J.P. and C.B. Hall of Fame vote because I know that you don't have an official one. I'm I could have an official one someday in theory. I'm I'm in the BBWAA. I don't know when I get my vote, but it's not it's not gonna be 2020. So we can go down and do our Hall of Fame ballots for next year. I'm gonna start with guys who've been on the ballot who have the highest percentages. Work my way down and then give you a couple of the new guys. There's only four guys I thought were really worth mentioning. Not that other guys didn't have great careers, but guys that you could consider for the Hall. And I think in theory you only have 10 votes, but I'm generally not good at accounting these kind of things on the fly, so you might be able to sneak me an 11th guy into your ballot, but we'll see how it goes. So we're going to start at the top, which is Kurt Schilling.
1: Uh, I think that he has the statistics. I don't okay. think. I think – I don't know. I think he, the way he was as a person and has been, I think people won't vote him in because of the way he is as a human being. That's just my personal. I think he's. I think he has. The Would br-
2: you vote him in though? This is a JP val- ballot.
1: I mean, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna vote him in.
2: Yeah, I think I'd do the same thing. I know that a lot, some things he said off the field are things that you just can't stand behind. And, you know, I think his his politics runs very different to a lot of the people who are going to be voting. And he's been a knucklehead, no doubt. But there's guys in the Hall of Fame who have done a lot worse things than Kurt Schilling has done. And I just, I don't think, he's not like a criminal. He's not someone who's been like violently hurting other people. He seems to me to be kind of a tool and a guy who said some stupid stuff that you definitely don't want to support. But at the end of the day, his resume is pretty... Solid, and I would vote him in. Yeah,
1: it's pretty good. Yeah, uh, I, I would. I would agree with everything you said in that statement.
2: Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna package deal Bonds and Clemens because it's both. It's the same situation. We've they've been on the ballot for a while. Uh, they're both. You know what they've accomplished is incredible, but it's a philosophical thing. Tainted.
1: It's tainted. Yeah, it's tainted. But he, but here's, but here's the thing. There's been people that have been let in the recent history that everybody knows are are tainted and I won't say names, I just will keep it at that. But I think because of allowing those certain people that go in and in the recent years, I think that they deserve to get in the Hall of Fame. I think that they should be put in the Hall of Fame because I, I know that, you know, they were juicing or whatever, but listen, there's a lot of guys that were juicing that during that era did did not even come close to putting those numbers up. And so every pitchers were doing it, hitters were doing it. And so for me, I used to be sh- strong against it, but if you're gonna if they're gonna allow certain people to be in it, then they have to allow everybody to be in it that that might have been, you know, on that on that train. So I'm in for it.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that these guys in particular are so good and accomplished so much that not having them in the Hall of Fame just kind of fails to tell the story of that era and I just don't think you can just wash the whole era away because there are things that we don't like that happened during it
1: yeah I mean everybody was the the, both sides were doing it right and so that's for me is like the guy that he was facing was juicing and and I've I've had even friends of mine that played during that era that would tell me you know I didn't make the money that I made because I didn't juice but Guys that were I was competing with did. So if I were to go back and do it in time, they're like, I would, I would 100% juice. So, I mean, that's just the way that era was. And like you said, you can't just kind of erase it.
2: Yeah, the Hall of Fame, kind of part of the duty of the Hall of Fame is to tell the story of baseball. I don't think you can tell the story of baseball without putting Barry Bonds there. For instance, Roger Clemens fits into that category as well. And I think both of the guys probably would have... Been hall of famers without juicing, although it's you know it's always hard to make that judgment. But if a guy's right on the fringe, that's where I might say, "Ah, eh, I'm gonna leave him out because he's on the very edge, and I can count a couple points against him." But if we're talking about people who are so accomplished, like Bonds and Clemens, it just doesn't doesn't seem right. Well, that's that's also
1: my my point to that too. Is remember back in the days, guys, guys didn't just not take anything i mean you hear stories of even you know the 50s and 60s of dudes like trying all different kind of things but there wasn't they don't know what they were taking but it was i'm sure there was stuff that was performance enhancing and so just because there was no track record back then i i just have heard you know hey those guys used to do stuff too it's just never really been it was never really followed the same so I don't know. I think that they've they've already opened that door. And once you open that door, you kind of you, you can't just pretend that that, oh, we, we know that these guys. W- I just feel like they're trying to play like, oh, we, oh, we don't know about these guys for sure. Well, everybody kind of knows about these guys. So you did it in the baseball community. Now let the other guys in.
2: OK, next up is Larry Walker, who looked like a no hope and then got a huge boost last year. And this is going to be his last year on the ballot, his tenth season a hundred percent i i saw I saw a thing
1: yesterday um on on social media, which social media is good for some things, that was talking about Larry Walker and how he had much better numbers than like a hundred of and fifty people on the okay right here. Higher OPS, Larry Walker has a higher career OPS than 118 position players in the Hall of Fame, a higher war than 111 position players in the Hall of Fame, a higher career OPS than Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, or Frank Robinson, and a higher road OPS, which I don't think is really that good, a higher road OPS than Ken Griffey Jr. Now everybody says, okay, the course Field thing. Well, home, 384, 460, 709. And 1997, 20 home runs, 17 stolen bases, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane. And and then the road, he went 346, 430, 443 on base, 733 slugging with 29 home runs and 16 stolen bases. So, dude, throw the damn Coors Field BS out and give the guy the his bronze plaque.
2: Yeah, he's really taken a lot of heat from – the whole Coors Field effect, people thinking that he was created by Coors Field, but it's just not the case. He was an incredible all-around player, a guy, you know, he fielded the ball really well, ran well, hit the hell out of the ball, and he did that not only when he was at Coors Field. So he's been punished for that. I could see him, it's going to take a big boost to get him in, but I could see him getting that boost again because a lot of people, there aren't a lot of big-name newcomers about. So, yeah, Larry Walker, we've both got four people in so far. I think we're going to disagree on this one, Omar Vizquel. Because I think you've said he's a Hall of Fame in the past. But I don't – you can make a – Yeah, judgment. but I'm but
1: – I'm, I mean, offensively, I'm sure his numbers aren't, aren't ranked through the roof. I think Omar Vizquel was a defensive wizard and was a show in itself. I would say that I'd have to if I have said that he was a Hall of Famer before I would rescind it, and I would say that I don't know if he. I think he's more of a of a le- like a guy that was like a a legend because of the plays that he made rather than the career. I mean, he played 24 years, which is pretty crazy, but I don't know if the if I don't know if if that gives him. The numbers to just be a Hall of Famer.
2: Yeah, I think he kind of accumulated things by playing that long. For me, I like my Hall of Famers to have that peak where they were people consider them among the very, very best players in baseball, and people would have considered Vizquel among the best shortstops. But if you're talking about the stars of the game, despite his defensive wizardry, he would have been a little bit farther down that list. So not a Hall of Famer for me. Next up, Manny Ramirez, which is an interesting case because. He's not on that Bonzian level, but then the PED suspensions kind of continued past that era where it was more prevalent. And personally, that's why I have him out because he continued to get caught much later in his career when that was. I'm not going to say out of the game because, of course, it wasn't out of the game, but when that wasn't so dominant in the game. I would have to agree.
1: I mean, I would think. I would think for me, you know. It's like the whole, like I, I know that I can get away with it, so I'm gonna keep on doing it, even though I know that it's not right. Um, I mean, listen, he, he, it was, he, for me, it was something that he just was was kind of too much. Like it, again, I, during that era, what was going on was going on, but it's kind of like, all right, dude, it's almost like a Jose Canseco-ish feel to like. All right, man. It's a little, a little too much. And I've heard nothing about great things, but uh, about many and and how good of a teammate he was and stuff like that. But I think it's just, you know, it's kind of like y- you took advantage of the system and in an insane amount. And I and I know it's kind of weird because it's Jekyll and Hyde. Because I'm saying that Barry and and Schilling should get in, but I think that this is a guy who who pushed it a little too, too much for me.
2: Okay, I'm going to drop kind of a big list because I don't think we have time to go too deep into every single one of these guys. And I think, uh, I mean, there might be a couple you have on your list, but these are the guys who aren't getting that many votes right now. Jeff Kent, Scott Rowland, Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, Gary Sheffield, Andy Pettit, Sammy Sosa, Andrew Jones. You got anyone on that list? <sighs> I think Todd Helton
1: could be, it should be a Hall of Famer, but he's going to get the course field the course field yes. thing too because um, he was a gold glove first baseman he ran I mean he was one of the, he was like you're saying one of the best hitters during his time um, man Andrew Jones could be somebody that at some point sneaks in because he was pretty damn special too but I mean there's no one in that there's no one in that that list that I go slam dunk Unless unless this is where analytics is good. I mean, Tim Raines got in because of analytics and, and people pushing what he meant. You know, he wasn't a like his numbers, how his numbers were so special. I think that maybe one of those guys can analytically push, push their way in.
2: Yeah, and if there's going to be a guy in that group that I think fits the bill in that Tim Raines mold, it's going to be Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland's got those numbers. His defense is really, really, really good. Uh, you know, he, he, bounced around a little bit and his, his total numbers weren't incredible because he was a guy who was more patient of the plate. He didn't hit like 50 home runs in a season, but he was just consistent year after year after year and just played this incredible brand of defense. So he's a guy I would consider on a weaker ballot, uh, throwing a vote at Scott Rowland. I like Billy Wagner as well, but it, it's just really hard to get reliever. Like the bar for relievers is so high. So that, the uh, the new guys on the ballot, I mean, Jeter, I don't think we need to go too deep into Jeter. We both agree. Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, that's a 100 percenter.
2: So then there's three more guys on the ballot who I think are interesting. Personally, I'm not sure if I'd have any of them in, but you got Bobby Abreu, Jason Giambi, and Cliff Lee. And if I was going to vote one of those guys, I might vote Cliff Lee because, again, he meets my standard of was considered one of the very best but it was quite a short period. He was a later career breakout.
1: Yeah, I was about to say it was yeah, he was a he was a late bloomer and it was short. I don't think Cliff Lee gets in really. I mean, he was his numbers were ridiculous. I don't think it's Lee. Giambi I mean, he was crazy, but obviously I mean, I don't know how people are going to look at him because of
2: his his kind of past. And who was the other one? Abreu and Abreu. I think Abreu's more one of those consistency for long period times and being yeah. truly
1: great. Yeah, I mean, no, he had some good. Remember, he had some. He had a lot of thirty thirty years because he could steal bases. But I think right. He. Or that's what I, I'm yeah, pretty he sure could, he, he could had, swipe a bag. Um, but I just, I don't know. I don't think. I think it's the same thing as I was talking about. Viscell is Abreu. A He's more of a name and the way he went about his game than, than being like a slam dunk. And that's a tough conversation about the Hall of Fame because you throw out these names and there's so many good players. I mean, I didn't even know – I didn't even think Harold Baines at the time was a Hall of Famer.
2: I think that one's still a little bit iffy for me. The veteran group tends to throw out yeah, some yeah. odd but
1: ones. But but that's – yeah, but so that's, that's what – that's the weird part about it is like – then that how that happens, I don't know, I just think I think it's weird, but that they're that they're kinda letting they're if you water it down, it's gonna be tough, right, and I think that's something that they're gonna have to make sure, just like they let people in that took steroids, and they're gonna have to probably let in others
2: okay, we're now gonna be joined by foreign blue Jays starter. Ricky Romero to talk about the holiday Hall of Fame induction over the weekend.
1: Friend of the show, like you said, friend of the show. That's that's an official friend of the show. Um, but one of the things we're talking about, obviously Hall of Fame weekend. And I was talking about this for me as a player. I used to play with guys and go, man, this is a future Hall of Famer. Or with Beltray, I used to do that. And then guys that were hitting or pitching that I was facing, Mariano, like, all right, dude, I'm facing a future Hall of Famer. Like... For you was that something, uh, you know, going to the yard every day because you got to. I never got to play with him. You got to play with him as a teammate and be close to him. Is that something for you with Roy Holiday that, you know, it happened and and even other any other Hall of Famers that you ever got to face or anything like that?
0: Yeah, with Doc, um, you knew it was gonna happen. I didn't know it was gonna happen this quick, and uh, but when you when you see him when you see his name get announced you're just like wow like i was i i shared the same clubhouse with him i sat next to him in the dugout so you start thinking about little things like that and and just the way that he like his his way of thinking was just different and you say it all the time that's why those guys are part of the what 1% of the population that are able to make it to the hall of fame but yeah throughout my uh throughout my career i actually like like you said it's it's one of those things where you're you're facing a future hall of famer and now it's crazy that the guys we used to play against are going into the hall of fame for me it was vladdy was one of them um mariano derek jeter is going to be there soon so ken griffey jr i got to face him in 2009 so it's pretty crazy man when you see these names but it makes you feel proud because you're just like wow I did it I I was facing all these guys and with Doc obviously
1: you share the same clubhouse the uh you know you, you get to watch the speech I don't know how much of the speech you got to watch but I mean we were talking about it too is like how emotional it was and how Brandy did a good job but even Chris Carpenter uh doing a good job and um were you able to see much of the speech at all really and and what for you stood out more than anything about the the speech?
0: Well, I haven't seen Chris Carpenter's um, speech yet. Uh, I was in Vancouver, so I didn't really get a chance to, I just saw bits and pieces, but the part that I think everyone was talking about was when Brandy talked about how everyone out there is not perfect, and Doc had his struggles um, on and off the field, and she went a little bit into depth about that, and I think, you know, I think sometimes people think we're some kind of robots and we're not supposed to be emotional and or have issues off the field. That if 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 he's performing and he's doing his thing, life is perfect and all is good. And sometimes that's not the case with with players. And you know, we're just just uh, human beings, just like everyone else.
2: Do you think that that's productive? Like that, a lot of things have come out about Doc and and what happened around his death and some of the issues he had around depression and some of the drugs he ended up using. Do you think it is important for people at home to see these players as, you know, not... JP referred to Doc before as kind of like a cartoon character, as a superhero to people, but to see them, like you said, as more of a human being?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's obviously more talk about it nowadays, um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with JP. The I saw Doc as invincible. I and mean, You just saw him as this guy that just can do anything um but yeah I think it's important that it's come out more not just um in MLB but NBA NFL there's a lot of guys that are coming out um with certain issues and stuff like that so I think it's very important that they continue the dialogue because it's, I feel like it's only gonna make it better for for them to to be able
1: to get help with with baseball going forward and we we're talking about this and now you're an analyst you're getting out there in sports net which it's nice to see you you know doing some tv stuff and and put your analyst hat on we were talking about this and and i think it's something there's guys that have been led into the, to the fame that have done some stuff and there's guys that are questioned about making you know barry bonds these kind of guys and i think for me i think about it as an era right that era was going on is what it is so were the pitchers. The pitchers were doing stuff. Barry Bonds, what he was able to do was insane. And so there's there's the question of, hey, do these guys get in, do these guys get it not get in? What do you think 'cause I what I said was I think that they've already let some guys in. It's tough to not let everybody in once you let a couple in. Um but for me, what do you think about the, that that situation with guys at at that point? And you you could I, I've also been literally against it oh man that's tough just because
0: it's such a touchy subject um people are for it some people are against it um and like you said i mean who knows how many guys are in the hall of fame now because they 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 used it but um being a clean player myself i think it's you know you and i know the way i went about it you see the way you went about it and I mean, if somebody was getting an extra boost while I'm sitting there sore or hurting, I mean, it's just – it's tough, man. It's just one of those things. I don't know. Do they go in do, – do they go into the Hall of Fame knowing that they did it and and just have, like, an asterisk next to their name saying, hey, this we they played in the steroid era? I, I mean, I don't know. It's just – I think you you'll get both versions of it because like you said what Barry Bonds was able to do I mean you still have to be able to go out there and perform not just because you use them um and I'm not I mean obviously I'm not accusing him of that but it, not just because you use them it means that you're going to be productive on the field so he was just already good and it just turned into like super good so I don't uh, I don't know man I don't know <laughs> it's it's one of those that it just kind of leaves you thinking and I mean you you want them to be rewarded for their accomplishments on the field but it's tough when they were getting a little boost
2: I think that everyone thought it was more or less fair that Halliday chose to go in as you know as neither a Blue Jay nor a Philly because both parts of those of his career were really successful he's longer in Toronto but he had some of his biggest moments in Philly no I don't think anyone's really complaining about that but putting on your analyst hats, both of you, who do you think the next person to go into the Hall of Fame with a Blue Jays cap is going to be? Or is it nobody that we currently know, if you had to bet?
1: Man, I don't know. I don't know. For me, I don't think that there's anybody in the Blue Jays that's a bona fide Hall of Famer. The one, th- I'll, I'll downstep it. I think that Jose Bautista goes on the ring of excellence one day. But uh, Hall of Fame? I mean, shoot, the closest one that I think over time maybe Eddie is going to have if he continues to have his career that he has, Edwin Carnacion. But I don't know, for me, I, I I mean, I think it's just like we talked about earlier in the show, we were talking about guys in the in, in Hall of Fame and make sure, like, Harold Baines is a great player, but uh, the, the committee stuff is making – you have to make sure that – I mean, if, this is, if you're going to let some in, then you have to let all in. Yeah. And so um, – for me, that's what that's what I think. I'll, I'll, whatever you, th- no, it's, it's
0: true. I mean, I was actually reading something yesterday where, um, Kenny Lofton says he belongs in the Hall of Fame, and he's like, my numbers, my numbers were just as good as Tim Raines' numbers, and then they like showed them side by side, and they're pretty similar. And you're just like, like you said, you let one of not that Tim Raines got in, yeah, got let in by the committee, but pretty similar numbers, and you're just like, well. I mean he's kinda sitting there like, Well what about me? And uh but as far as the Blue Jay going into the Hall of Fame in the next few years, ah, uh, it's tough to see that. Um but um I could see uh Jay, uh Jose Bautista going up in the around the stadium the Ring of Excellence and I mean another guy that I think we forget that probably belongs up there and did a lot for the Toronto Blue Jays is Vernon Wells to me. Yeah. You know, I mean I had that conversation yeah i mean i think i think he belongs up there. yeah
2: I, I i was just gonna ask you guys about that next so one thing i did want to float was if i had to bet on a blue jay to be in the hall of fame and the next blue jay going hall of fame i'd probably bet on vladdy but i don't think there's any even bets out there you'd be they'd all be it's it's pretty hard to project someone for a hall of fame career but i don't think anyone who's currently retired or like eddie or jose is going to be in there. So I'd have to take like a wild bet on one of the young guys to come through and Vladdy would probably be the yeah. guy. Do
1: you think, here's here's a question for you and I think, I mean obviously I think he goes in as a White Sox. I think Mark Burley's a Hall of Famer. When you When you break it all down I think Mark Burley's a Hall of Famer and he played with the Blue Jays for a few years. I mean what are your thoughts on that?
0: I've never really looked at the full numbers but Man, I mean, when you look at some of the best lefties in the game, you have to think of him. And I mean, what a perfect guy for the Hall of Fame! I, if if he did enter it, you would almost
1: sit there and wonder what kind of speech this guy would come up with. <laughs> but that's, that's a Blue Jay, though. That's a Blue. He was a Blue Jay, so I would. I would.
2: He was. I will account that as part of the discussion. I think it's. He'd be hard, hard pressed to make the Hall of Fame. Such a good pitcher. Such a fun guy to watch. Like. I – I loved watching how Burley is that he was good at all the like little things. He was so good at fielding his position. He was so good at holding runners, and I feel like a lot of guys don't engage as much with that part of the game, but uh, it's tough. But if he won
1: 14, it? 14 straight years, 200-plus
2: innings. That's in the, a lot A lot of innings, a lot of kind of middle of the rotation, and I, don't, I really don't want to be stuck in a position where I'm saying bad things about Mark Burley, but – Kind of middle rotation I innings got, a lot I, of the time. I, got I don't a Blue know Blue
0: Jay that might enter the Hall of Fame actually
2: Omar Vizquel. We, we, just about <laughs> we were just talking about him. Yeah, he's gonna. He's a guy who's sort of in the middle of the ballot. He has some support, and uh, it could happen someday. Especially if we we're talking next year. Only Derek Jeter kind of like the only big name coming onto the ballot next year. So a lot of the existing guys might get a bump, yeah, and yeah, Vizquel's a guy. I mean, we and JP debate that a little bit. He's a, he's tough too, but you have to respect what he did with the glove. Yeah, that's for, for sure. sure.
1: The one that we the consensus though is Larry Walker next year. Larry Walker needs to get in, dude. He's he's a, he's up there in every category, and I think that he could be the the greatest Canadian to ever play.
2: Oh, we well, I mean, I don't know. Depends if you want to go back to Ferguson Jenkins. We love our Ferguson Jenkins up in Canada, but like, yeah, Larry Walker is definitely our, our best hitter of all time. Joey Votto might have something to say about that before it's all said and done, but you definitely. Ricky you can make some f- more friends in Canada by endorsing Larry Walker's Hall of Fame case. Well, and you, here's another thing and just get away.
1: Talk about where you're at now cuz you have a podcast and where people can uh go and get your your hear your podcast um because Ricky's on the vein now and we got to give him some love and then what you're up to cuz I know you're you're doing some Sportsnet stuff.
0: Yeah, um we have the podcast uh, have it with a friend of mine um it's called the let's go ricky row podcast it's on spotify itunes you can find it on google i think uh, everywhere and that's been fun to do we've had some fun guests we we we've had a lot of fun with it i mean lately with all the traveling i've been doing it's been a little tougher but we actually our last episode was mark gubiza uh, from the anaheim angels uh, tv analyst and he was tremendous telling bo jackson stories and then team that won the World Series and him wanting to quit baseball and you know all that stuff that us human beings go through that some at one point some of these guys go through that period where they want to quit and go home and they're they're from small some of these guys are from small towns and stuff like that so anyways it's 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 really cool episode do you guys check it out if you can let's go Ricky Rowe um, and Yeah, I've been doing the Sportsnet. Uh, The Vancouver Canadians had six games on Sportsnet, so they asked me to be their color guy, and I've been doing that. It's been really, really fun. We've had some great, great feedback. Um, uh, Working along, Rob Fay has been awesome, Um, and yeah, I remember the first game. You were the one that was giving me some tips because I was, I think, I was overly preparing. So, Um, but other than that, everything's gone smooth. It's. You know, just talking baseball, giving the, the fans what they want, and I think it's gotten pretty good.
2: I think listeners of this podcast can speak to it in terms of JP, but you can touch on it if you want, JP. But, Rick, have you found that having a podcast after your career has kind of been able to give you a voice to say the things that maybe you didn't want to say during your career? Because it might have, you know, you have all these people ask you questions and you just don't want to create headlines the next day. You just want to get to your next start, whereas now you can kind of let it breathe
0: i still don't want to create headlines honestly uh i always tell the guys honest i tell the guys all the time i i, I want let you be as free as possible and say whatever you want just don't make it controversial controversial because i don't want to be answering questions about it not that the media is after me but if we get a player that's currently there now you know you don't want anything for them for them to be controversial and have to answer questions um one thing when we had C. sabathia on first thing he said hey can i cuss and i said absolutely it and <laughs> it okay. um, so and, and, and i think it just makes guys feel more locker room talk but i try to stay away from certain subjects um i'm not gonna sit there and call people out but if i have something to say that needs to be said i will say it but um like i'm not gonna sit there and uh and say certain things that are going to bother people.
1: It definitely gives everybody a platform, and I think it's fun, and it just gives an opportunity to hear for for fans, to hear a player's perspective. And and even like uh, Ricky does it with somebody. His his name is Beto. Uh, I do it with you. You guys are – or the different side of it where you're more of the of the media and the analyst as far as you know you you write stories you do stories beto does the same thing he's he's on tv he breaks down stuff we were there and i think it's the mesh of being able to because you guys are talented and doing what you do and we were able to live it and meshing it i think it's always good to have people have that that kind of back and forth so um, it's 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 a lot of fun and I think that it gives an, just gives us an opportunity to really talk about experiences and then give our own uh, ideas and, and like you said you still I, I respect it enough that I don't want to be a shock jock but I also definitely would say that I, I would say more now than I did as a player even though we all know that I said a lot of stuff especially about people <laughs> in Toronto so but uh, that you know finishing right there ricky thank you very much um and nice that we could have a guest that is sitting right next to me as well we've had a few of them but nick is in, yeah, good, in beautiful good audio
2: quality yeah. for the listeners back home with the proper microphone should be nice nick's
1: in toronto we're out here in edmonton with the blue jays academy doing some stuff for kids so uh nick thanks for doing this getting up and thank you ricky
2: one thing I did want to touch on from a Blue Jays' perspective is the return of Ryan Barucki and what that means to this team and what we saw last night. Because he's a guy who, in theory, I was going to say this guy's going to bring some stability to the rotation. He's going to give you some quality starts. And I don't think anything we saw on Monday suggests that he won't. Like for a return to the rotation, he did okay. But it, it comes at the same time as Trent Thornton going out with an injury. So it's kind of one in, one out. But what are you looking forward to kind of paying attention to with Barucki down the stretch to make sure he's back and make sure that he's that guy in 2020 they can count on? I just think it's, like you said, down the stretch. I just want to make sure that he gets his innings, he stays healthy.
1: Because one of his things is that he, you know, he hasn't been able to really stay healthy for a, a, a long period of time. I think that that's something that, he's going to have to make sure that he handles or whatever he does preparation-wise or, or something that he has to do to just make sure that he makes every start that he's out there. I don't I don't doubt for one second that he doesn't have the stuff and the makeup. And by stuff, I mean the physical stuff, the fastball, the, you know, the breaking ball, the change-up. He has the stuff to be a really good pitcher in the major leagues. And also by knowing him as a human being and as a person well, I think he also has the the mental... Um, part of the game that, that you need to be a good player. I just want – the biggest thing to me is to watch him post every five days because that's the one thing for me that when you're moving forward, you want to make sure that you have somebody that you can rely on. I mean, listen, teams still go after right? Nathan Navaldi, who gets hurt all the time, got a, you know $80 million by, uh, contract by the Red Sox. So it's not that it's the end of the world. I just think that he needs to show that he can – Go out there every five days, pitch, because when he pitches, you're going to be in the game. He's got too good of stuff to not be in the game. But I think that that's the biggest thing for me and and just continuing for him to improve and learn the league, because as the league learns him, then he's going to have to make adjustments, because we all know how that is the first time through people see you. I mean, he's been around enough but it's not not really enough for that guys have that that real comfort feeling of hitting off of him so I want to see how that is too
2: he's someone the Blue Jays I, I believe have kind of penciled in as part of the rotation in the years to come and I'm not sure there's anyone else in this club that really fits that mold that people they're counting on this guy to be part of their starting five going forward I know Nate Pearson's an amazing prospect and I'm sure he'll be there Trent Thornton has shown a fair amount in his rookie season, although he's had his ups and downs, but I don't think he's at quite the same level as Baraki in terms of his output in his rookie season where you say, okay, this is a guy. And yeah, the rest of the year is going to be very interesting for Baraki. Last night wasn't the greatest outing. He didn't quite have his control, but the velocity was there and velocity is never going to be his game. He's not a guy who throws super hard, but he was throwing around 92. That's a good number for him. He was flashing that plus change up. The breaking ball was there and you can just, you can imagine him being that. And and we, we said the word before, but that's solidifying guy. And I don't think he's, you know, I don't think anyone thinks this guy's going to be an ace going forward, but he's going to be a guy that you can turn the ball over to and not worry about it in the middle or back rotation. And good teams have the ace type guys, but they have those guys as well. Like Baraki, is a kind of a key cog on a good team and we haven't seen that yet but when the blue jays turn this over and turn us into a competitive team again he's the kind of guy that will be a glue guy in my opinion the type of guy that they can always count on even if he's never among their stars if you will i agree i think that
1: for me one i mean i'm pretty close to the organization i would say that they do they feel like Baracki is a big, big part of this, and he is penciled in, and he's a guy that they're looking forward to the future. I think partly is because they know, obviously, what he has as a pitcher. But again, going back to the makeup stuff, they know that he is the full package. This kid works hard and goes about it the right way, is a good teammate. I mean, he is really there mentally. So they know this is a guy that they want to keep and want to have around. I think that he is a good, very solid number 3 on a, on a team. I think that he he's not your opening day starter, but he's a guy who can be a really good number 3 and be somebody who is I mean even a number 2 kind of kind of guy. I don't know if he's a, he's a one guy, but I look at one guys and if we're talking about the Blue Jays pushing for a championship, I look at a one guy, you know, kind of like what Strowman's doing this year when Sanchez was leading the league in the ERA or you know, you look over at the Houston Astros. It, I mean, they have pretty much two number one guys for me in Verlander and Garrett Cole. I mean, I think those are two bona fide number one guys, and I think that's what you need to be able to be a winning team, especially in this division, as as every year and freaking year out, man, you see, like, Boston, now Tampa, and New York. I mean, it doesn't stop, man, and it's not going to stop. These people are going to continue to to put players out there.
2: Yeah, he, yeah, he's not he's not a number one guy, but he doesn't. You know, not everyone is. It's a very rare breed. Like I said, Pearson's someone in the organization that in theory could be that, but we're so far from him having a full workload, and he's never even played a AAA yet. It's hard to throw that label on him. But Baruck, he he's going to be a guy that's important to this team going forward. He's someone I'll be watching very closely down the stretch. And I think that Blue Jays fans are going to enjoy watching him, especially because he's one of those pitchers that is works pretty quickly, gets his defense involved. And not, I know that Mark Burley and him kind of get linked because that was his favorite pitcher growing up, but there is an element of that to his game where uh, he just keeps his fielders involved and he keeps the game moving. And if you're just watching the game, that is a really it's a really nice luxury to have. So before we finish, we're going to do would you rather, as always, this one again has been uh, tested by me in the office and I think it's a it's a tricky one. So would you rather every time you have to tip somebody, you have to tip triple what you would normally tip or you have to tip zero dollars. You have no option to tip anybody. I mean, that's going to be a tough one. Because I'm gonna
1: always want to tip people, so I'm gonna have to wear it, and um, I will. I will definitely tip times three. I I would have to because I I just it's gonna suck, and I'm gonna try to make sure I don't eat expensive dinners ever again because then I'd really get stuck with some some shitty amount of of money. <laughs> um, but I think people that work out there in the in that industry. I mean, they, they they get after it and, I mean, they don't make a ton of money and so I think every dollar counts and I think that I've always been in a position to be able to do something like that, which I think is, I mean, for me, I would 100% want to make sure that I took care of people. Even if it means kind of hurting myself, that's just kind of the way I've always thought, but I could never look at myself in the mirror and go, I just tipped that person zero dollars.
2: Yeah. And I've seen that expression on someone's face before when, and I generally like to think of myself as a decent tipper, but for whatever reason, I just haven't had the money on me or whatever. And I just, I've ended up giving someone a bad tip and just like that look on their face. And I'm just imagining that look on someone's face, like all the time, like every time you have an interaction, you have to do that. If you don't tip at all, if you, if you're going out, if you go to a a bar club or something like good luck getting a second drink ever uh if you go to a restaurant more than once like i don't know people could spit in your food this is kind of the more practical cynical part of it but if you if you go around town and you're never tipping people you're gonna be in trouble in terms of getting good service anywhere and and rightfully not that you should ever in food but rightfully so you know these people work hard and they deserve that and they're going to prioritize customers to take care of them so I think the big part of this is okay if we agree that we're going to be tipping triple it's all about changing your lifestyle a little bit to avoid situations where you have to tip people. So don't get delivery, get takeout. You know what I mean like avoid that. Like like you said, don't, you know, don't go to the fancy dinner as much. Like stay away from those type of situations wherever you can. Always offer to carry your own bags everywhere if you're traveling. Like just that would I'd become hyper aware of avoiding tip situations and trying to do everything I could for myself, because yeah, triple tip is gonna really add up.
1: Yeah, you know what, what's funny? Here's a quick story. Um, I was in AAA in Salt Lake, and I'll never forget this because I felt so embarrassed. I ate a PF Chang's, and I ate before the game, or like before I went to the field and and dropped it off or uh, finished my meal, paid, took off to the to the stadium. Well, you know, usually guys eat at the same place. So one of the guys on the team came and was like, dude, that girl that was your waitress was ripping you. And I was like, why? And she was like, because you gave her a freaking 60 something cent uh, tip. And I didn't realize, I thought I had given, because it was 50, right? And I thought I had given to a 20 a 20 it was like just like it was like a 49 something i thought i had given a 20 a 20 and a 20 which would have been a good tip so i left thinking that i had given her like a hey, 11 bucks pretty much 10 bucks i mean 20 percent decent tip i had given her 50 dollars oh, god and so he told me that and my heart sunk like legitimately sunk and i was like Oh my gosh. So I, I got the clubby and I gave the $20 to the clubby and I was like, you need to go to PF Chang's and find this young lady and give her the 20 bucks and say that I am completely sorry that I did not realize that I'm even thankful that this, that, that she said something because I didn't even realize it. And I didn't. And I felt like the biggest asshole ever, but that's, that's how, for me, how like tipping is so important
2: alright that's going to be it for this week we appreciate you guys continuing to listen and subscribe we encourage you to leave a review wherever you get your podcasts iTunes, Spotify, whatever it is we appreciate you guys tuning in and we hope you will next week